What is up, guys? Welcome to a very special edition of Chat Grapple and Cheat Pops podcast with me, JB, and my main man, Chris Dredd. And we have got a real treat for you. Stick around. This is going to be amazing. Chris, how are you, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm uh, just looking forward to this. I've been excited about it for a little while. We've got a very, very special guest on uh which is probably one of our first main shows of 2021 um last year might have been a bit dog shit this year might be starting a little bit dog shit but we're moving forward and we have got a surprise for you lot we oh, have dear. got we have got a hell of a guest coming on like we said stick around you know if you're watching on youtube you get to see it you'll you know you'll see it when we when we put it up and obviously there's all our main podcast hosters that Chris is going to mention for us now. Where can you find us, Chris? You can find us. You're probably watching the video right now, which is on YouTube, Chat Grappling and Cheap Pops podcast on YouTube. You can find us at Podbean, Spotify, Deezer, Castbox, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Listen Notes, Stitcher, Deezer, if I've said that already, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts. We are literally anywhere you can get a podcast, we are on there, and you will find this next up-and-coming episode on there as well as all our previous episodes that you can go into the archives, dig through, and have a little listen. Uh, also on the Twitter, Instagram. Don't forget that. Join the conversation at Chat Grapple Pops on Twitter and Instagram. We hit them up regular. And that is right. Without you know, without pushing it too far, you're going to want to be a part of this conversation. So without further ado, here he is. Welcome, guys. Uh, welcome to Chat Grapple and Cheap Pops podcast. I am Chris Dredd, here with my main man, JB, and we've got an amazing guest with us today. Um, you know, do you want to start with the intros, Jay? Because I know... Let's do it. Um, this is uh, really great for us. Um, really, really happy to, you know, have this amazing guest on our show. He is a former two-time OVW television champion, a former two-time WWE Intercontinental champion, WWE Tag Team Champion, a US Champion, Royal Rumble runner-up. And let's not forget also <laughs> Miss WrestleMania. Let's not forget that. Um, <laughs> he is also now the owner and president of uh, Battle Arts Academy in Mississauga, um, Ontario. Is that, did I pronounce that correctly? Yeah. <clears throat> and also um, Judo Canada's first official uh, ambassador. Um, Mr. Anthony Corelli, also known as the amazing, the unforgettable Santino Morella. Thanks oh. for joining us, man. Very nice introduction. Thank you. Thank you. How, how could we not, dude? You know, it's it's one of these things where, you know, there's so many people in the wrestling business and um, uh, for character-wise and, and, and people that have made an impression, uh, we just feel that you've kind of, you're unforgettable, man, really, in the business. Um it's it's just one of those things. I mean, who who doesn't love Santino Morella? Let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a few people that don't, you know, but usually they're friends with Jim Cornette or something like that. But <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you, you know, when your when your role is the is the comedic role and you make you know your your job is to make people laugh, and you know, anytime someone brings laughter into your home or you share laughter together, it's generally a fond memory. And no one you know dislikes laughing, you know. Great, it's great, man. We weren't going to mention Jim Cornette. You did it for us, so you broke that ice, dude. Thanks for that. Um, so, um, 
you know, but the thing is, let's not forget, I mean, you weren't just a, a comedic character. You can go in the ring, man. I mean, this is something that we also, we wanted to bring up as well, because, yeah, everyone remembers Santino for, you know, the the huge amounts of stuff that you did on the mic. I mean, I, I don't think there was a show in the whole time you were working that you weren't on. You know, it was, you were you, you featured all the time. Yeah, even when, <clears throat> excuse me, even when I didn't have a match, a lot of back, a lot of backstage segments, a lot of backstage comedy. So yeah, um, there was a time. I think there was a year straight where I didn't have a match on Raw, but I have. I was in a backstage segment like every single week, and all that did was just kind of build up the relationship between the fans and Santino. So when I finally got back wrestling on Raw, the reactions were so much better because they knew me so much more intimately from all these backstage shenanigans. That's amazing, man. And that's the thing. I mean, you've done so much. We just, uh, we, we couldn't even cover half of it in the show. But um, yeah, do you want to start off, Jordan? I mean, we've got a few questions and that, you know. Well, yeah, if, um, we would like to get a little bit, of, a little bit of a background on your start in Japan. You know that um, you did a, did a fair bit out there, including some battle art stuff as well. Um, was MMA a serious option for you at that time? <laughs> no, <clears throat> it was never an option. So um, well, I, I had six indie matches in Ontario. And very quickly, I realized, you know, this is not where I want to be. There's nobody's even seeing these matches. I know you're honing your craft, but I was uh, 29 years old. I didn't have time to waste. I started training uh, 28 years old. So I'm 29. I got a few matches. I go, I, I got to get out of here. And the only connection we had at the time uh, was in Japan. A, fo a former student of my coach, Don Koloff, uh, Alexander, is Alexander the, the King, Alexander the Russian, he's, he's, he's been wrestling for a long time. He wrestled for Hustle and Zero One. So he had a lot of connections. He was Jason Legend in Zero One. I used to have the, like, the Jason hockey mask and stuff. Anyway, <clears throat> he had trained and lived in battle arts like a year before I got there or a couple of years. And that was the only connection we had at the time. And I'm like, all right, so I guess I'm going to go there. And I always had this idea that if you if you did really well there, they would hear about you back home and they would recruit you. Um, there was somebody I knew at OVW that did really well in Japan and they got hired because of that. So I kind of wanted to go that route. And also because I, my judo background, judo is Japanese, I can go there as the Canadian judo champion. It would kind of elevate me a little bit. And that's what I did. I used to, my first few matches in Japan, I wrestled in my, my judo pants and stuff. Um, and what I found at this particular dojo, the original battle arts, it was one word, battle arts. Um, the MMA fighters and the pro wrestlers, they train together. They train, they do kickboxing, they grapple during the day, like, you know, catch, catch wrestling, submission wrestling. Um, and they crisscross. Some of the uh, MMA fighters will do a pro wrestling match and some of the pro wrestlers will go do an MMA fight. And I love the mentality of viewing it as a real legitimate sport. And they took professional wrestling very serious there. Like the philosophy that Mr. Ishikawa has is that as a professional athlete, a professional wrestler, you have to take it, kick it up a notch from an amateur athlete, from a, like an Olympic wrestler He's an amateur. We're professional. We got to train even harder. And uh, we did. Every morning we woke up, went to the gym, did our conditioning, um, you know, ate, 
rested, went back, did our sparring or whatever, but we trained really hard. The, uh, I got into an actual fight in the dojo one time. <clears throat> one guy was getting a little too aggressive and I kind of had to put him in his place. But when they saw that, they were like, oh, maybe you fight MMA. And um, a fight came up in like three weeks and I just jumped in it, but I, I wasn't really doing MMA. It was, I mean, I, I didn't have a camp. We didn't have proper sparring. We didn't have anything. I just jumped in and, and uh, anyway, it wasn't, didn't last very long because, um, because my judo stance is right-handed, but a right-handed judo stance is actually a left-handed boxing stance. So, we, so I tried to switch to a southpaw in like three weeks time. And, and, you know, I had no defense instincts and I got punched in the neck. It was oh. James Bond, judo chop. And I was like sleeping. So, and then what happened was I overstayed my tourist visa by like a week. So I was actually banned from Japan. So that was right after the MMA fight, I was banned from Japan. So it looks like I lost the fight and then said, I'm out of here. But oh, uh, <laughs> they were actually unrelated. Um, just a quick question about uh, Yuki Ishikawa. Um, yeah. I mean, he was real serious business, man. I mean, he was trained by uh, Fujiwara, Carl Gotch, and Boris Malenko, you know, so not yeah. a lightweight by any stretch, man. Is there any much, uh, much more you can tell us about uh, Mr. Ishikawa? Yeah, he's incredible, man. When it comes to the battle art style, there's nobody alive right now that that does it better better than him you know the the passion and the energy and the feeling and the emotion that he puts into his matches now he's a little bit older so he doesn't wrestle as much but when he does it's like an it's like a, a special experience to watch him wrestle people cry people stand up and he gets standing ovations it, it's incredible you know and he was a huge influence and mentor to me when I first got there. And uh, yeah, he's tough, man. He's, he's tough too. Mm. So, um, yeah, go on, Dave. Sorry. Sorry, mate. <laughs> I'd like to fast forward a little bit. Um, we know you went to OVW and, you know, you had a, had a very good run there. As, uh, it's more of, a, more of a shoot fight type of uh, character. Yeah, Boris. Who's, who's, whose idea was that? Well, it's funny because I always tried to get it, you know, capitalize on anything that made me different. So when I went to Japan, I was a foreigner, a white guy. So I was different. I did judo. I used that. And then when I went to OVW, the fact that I just came from Japan, you know, people didn't know what I was doing. You know, I had several matches over there. Actually, I had a few smaller shows like an outdoor festival or whatever, <clears throat> but I didn't have hundreds of matches, you know. But people didn't know that. All of a sudden, just because you came from somewhere else, they kind of elevated me a little bit as well. But everyone was doing the same thing, you know, lock up, headlock, tackle. And I brought this battle art style. And the battle art style made me stand out immediately and completely stand out. So I used that to my advantage as well. So Paul Heyman, one night, was kind of watching from the rafters, just our practice when I was training in Rip Rogers' class. And I guess after the class was done, we stayed around and did some stuff. And he saw some of my judo throws and how I implement them in pro wrestling. And he had this idea. He wanted me to, it, it was like a huge moment for me because in the parking lot after class, it's like, hey, can I talk to you? I want to start you on OVW TV next week as this, you know, Boris Alexiev Russian shoot fighter thing. And because um, 
So what happened was when I first got there, Rip Rogers called me Boris. That was my nickname. He just one day called me Boris and other students explained to me that that's, that's your nickname. If, if he called you that, that's, you're, you're going to be known as Boris. And I'm like, Boris? <laughs> I'm Anthony Corelli from Canada and all of a sudden I'm Boris. But my original coach was Don Koloff. So I thought when I had this, I literally woke up in the middle of the night and I'm like, I'm going to ask coach if I can use the Koloff and I'll be Boris Koloff because there actually hasn't been, there was Boris Zukov, uh, Don Koloff, Ivan Koloff, but I think there wasn't a combination of, of Boris Koloff. So uh, he gave me the blessing and I started using Boris Koloff and I was doing this Russian character because then, you know, by being this secret special force trained fighter guy, I can use some judo moves and I can do some things that people aren't used to because that's the backstory and it kind of makes sense. And then um, Paul Heyman decided to add the name Alexiev because uh, Vince McMahon always was, he was a huge fan of that Russian power lifter, uh, Alexiev, who was like, I think maybe the first guy to break 500 pounds on a clean and jerk. Um, and just to have that positive association with the name to get it noticed. So I debuted as Boris Alexiev and uh, yeah, we, we did something different and it really caught on there. And the atmosphere, you know, and they really, they really did it right for, gosh, how many weeks now? Like for, for, for a few months, I would just come out and just smash somebody. Um, you know, three, four minutes, totally insane, serious face. I had a corner man. Uh, I had the MMA gloves and everything. And, um, and then one, you know, but I learned why we did that. One day we had a guy named Mo the Mug. He was a boxer. And in the middle of beating somebody up, like, you know, I did every week. He ducked one, turned around, pa, gave me one punch. And I took a bump. And the audience was like, <gasps> like they were so conditioned to see me just maul people and go right through them that this, this was huge. And then I got up and beat the guy up and finished him off. But it, that, that, that was the, the payoff, that, that moment. So the next week I demanded to fight him again um, because I, you know, the, the audacity of him hitting me and I want to teach him a lesson. And then that next week, I've never seen anything like it. It was like people thought they were watching an underground fight, a boxer versus Russian MMA guy. And the audience, when my music hit, they just started going, fight, 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 fight. And it was, they were like bloodthirsty animals. It was crazy. And I remember looking around and thinking, okay, Al Snow, I get it. This is awesome. You know, and, and we had a wicked match. And um, Mo the Mug is, he's a, Mario Bakara, or Bukara, I forget how to pronounce it exactly. He was, he was an impact for a while. He did yeah. the Croatian gimmick. And uh, yeah, he's very, very talented, actually. I mean, the, the way you're explaining, the way that it was built up, and then it meant so much more when something like that happened because you're working with people like Al Snow and the great Paul Heyman. Um, the psychology levels that Paul Heyman's working at are just, you know, incredible. I mean, is there much more you can tell us about Paul Heyman and, you know, working with him, what it was like, you know, what he's like as a guy? Yeah, I, I love... So if I was ever a soldier, I would want Paul Heyman to give me the speech before I went into battle. You know, he has a really good knack for, for just bringing out your best, hyping you up, really painting a picture of the significance of the moment, you know, and he was fantastic. I had nothing but positive experiences with Paul Heyman to this day. And, you know, then being on the road with him, you know, 
over the, all the European tours and sitting in a bar late night, listening to incredible stories and by an incredible storyteller. So yeah, I, I'm a big Paul Heyman fan. He's a fantastic guy. Brilliant. Yeah, we we love a bit of Heyman on this on this yeah, show, we're, don't we're Paul, we? We're Paul Heyman guys too. Um, Even now, he does so many little things. You know, the reactions in the background and the subtleties. You, if you if you have an eye for the subtleties, he's <laughs> he's the best. It's true. Who who told you um, you were going to win the uh, Intercontinental Title on your first night? On the, first person on to break it to me yeah 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 so i show up in milan literally i walk in the building and unfortunately oh man oh no that was the second night yeah i walk into the building and arn anderson li literally just walked out of a production meeting with the papers in his hand i said he knew me from ovw he saw me work at ovw and he said hey kid said, well you're having a good day you're winning the ic title and walks away and i'm like ic title that's did he just say Intercontinental Championship? Is that the IC <laughs> title? And then I'm kind of looking around and then people came up to me and said, yeah, you know, uh, they're doing this thing. Vince has this idea. As a matter of fact, Vince would like to meet you and, and uh, they, you know, walked me over and I sat down with Vince that day and met him for the first time, which was really cool. He was so inviting. I mean, you know, come on in and close the door and he turns around and he's just undivided attention and his whole family's like that. They're so busy, but when it comes time to talk to you, they, you have their undivided attention. You, you can just tell it's it's genuine. Really, really awesome people. That's great, man. I mean, uh, you, you, just the names that you, the, the guys that when you come, first coming into the business, you know, like uh, Paul Heyman and Arn Anderson, you know, you'd really um, come into contact with some huge names in the game and like you say to come in and win the Intercontinental Championship straight away must have been incredible um, and everyone remembers the Milan miracle um, and I, I hear there's a story about the, the night after you won it something <laughs> happened uh, are you alright telling that story? Yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the background is this growing up in Toronto we had a huge nightclub scene I mean, from, from like straight out of high school. So the drinking age is 19 and we had grade 13 for a while. So basically your last year of high school, you can legally go buy alcohol. So anyway, we partied a lot. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Thursday, we were in nightclubs all the time, drinking a lot. And, and so I don't drink often, but I know how to drink if, if it's, so anyway, after the night went down, you know, I'm still on cloud nine. What the hell just happened? We're in the bus and everyone's like, uh, you, you got to come down to the bar tonight. You, you got to drink. Like they're going to try and initiate you. They're going to try and get you drunk and, and all this. You have to wear the belt in the bar. And I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah, of course I'm going to come down. The thing is like, they're trying to make me afraid. I'm like, afraid what? For the coolest night I've ever had in my life. And they're like, you know, Ric Flair's coming to the bar. Ricky Steamboat's going to be at the bar. So you better come. Uh, uh, Shawn Michaels is coming out for the first time in so many years. You know, you lucky bastard. And then, <laughs> and all this stuff. So as soon as we got back to the hotel, I ran to catering right away. And I took a huge scoop of white plain rice. And I just started going, eating, 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 eating. And then uh, they said, oh, you know, you wanted at the bar. You have to go to the bar. So I went to the bar shot of Jack Daniels and I kind of just crept away and I went back to catering ate some more rice and then one of the referees came and said you, you have they want you back at the bar and, and you got to stay at the bar like I said no problem I had enough white rice 
I knew I could cushion what, what's about to come. And then it was like, yeah, shot a jack, shot a jack, shot a jack, shot a jack, shot a jack. And all of a sudden I'm having a fantastic time. I mean, I'm getting these, everyone's there. Like everyone who's anyone who's everyone is there. And then they're all, and I'm kind of like, you know, the, the, the man of the hour, right? I just won the title and they're trying to get me drunk. So I start ordering, so I'm like, around on me, around on me. And they're like, oh shit, this guy's not getting the point here. Um, and then I remember telling myself, plant your feet right here and endure. Your job is to stand here. If you have to stand here for 12 hours, you're going to stand here for 12 hours and you're just going to drink and stand here. And then people like started saying like, I'm out, man, forget it. You know, I'm out and I'm out. And people started bailing and I was still standing there and I was the last guy at the bar. And um, I mean, somewhere around 6.30, I basically collapsed and, you know, had to be escorted to my room. But uh, yeah, the story was I, 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 out <laughs> I out drank everybody. But out drinking everybody's one thing, but like I sold it the next day. I was in big, I was, I was in rough shape. If I drank like that and then I was okay the next day, I think that would have been even, even better. But <laughs> I was, in rough shape. I was late for the bus. Man, just, you know, just, you know, drinking with Ric Flair, um, yeah. you know, w winning the IC title on your, on your debut, ultimately. You I know. was able to drink so much, just, adrenaline i mean yeah is, you know what i mean <laughs> that's like the stuff of dreams dude you know it's yeah. like <laughs> it's, you know like you better stay at the bars but i, I don't want to leave the bar this is fantastic <laughs> I, I had a welcome to the fraternity speech right in my face by uh rick flair i'm like just in my head i'm just giggling like this is awesome this is <laughs> this is crazy you know just yeah. he was probably strutting around slapping his chest you know that's incredible man <laughs> absolutely incredible um, yeah, Jay, you got something? Any crazy Vince stories that you could possibly tell without causing any trouble? Yeah, you know what? I, I don't, man. I, I I didn't have... I'm a huge fan of Vince, you know? But I didn't get the one-on-one -on -one experiences like I wanted, you know? I always wish that... Like, Vince probably doesn't know how much of, how much of a Vince fan I am. In terms of just being an alpha male, a hard, the hardest working guy in the room, brilliant and intelligent and, you know, everything, the longevity, everything he's done, even as a, as a, as a businessman and the way he delegates responsibilities and, and all that kind of stuff. But he's always so busy, you know, but every time I did approach him with an idea, it was always super well received and he's always very welcoming, but, you know, He's on his phone. He's busy. He's working. I didn't want to bother him as much. And there's a couple of times, oh God, I missed a couple of times where everyone's like, dude, you should, you know, wherever, let's say I went out somewhere because, you know, not everybody can go out all together all the time. Right. So sometimes, yeah, maybe I went out with Randy and, and they're like, dude, you missed it. Vince came down to the bar and I'm like, ah, so I missed definitely, I missed a few Vince ex experiences, but um, uh, yeah, I love Vince. I want to be like you, Vince when I grow up. <laughs> um, you used to ride with Randy Orton, is that right, as well, for a little while? Uh, my first three years, yeah. I Have you got any any crazy Randy Orton stories? I'm sure you've got a few. Every, every, every day was a crazy Randy Orton story because I, I got uh, I got his last uh, his uh, last few years of of crazy Randy, you know, and uh, and the reason we stopped riding together is because he got his bus, which which right. kept him which kept him out of a lot of trouble. 
So his last three, you know, crazy Randy years were with me. And, and it was interesting because it was my first three years. We just got along from day one. And Randy can kind of, sometimes there's like different rules for Randy, you know, he gets away with, <laughs> with some stuff. We used to call it the all pass instead of the hall pass. We called it the all pass. And, you know, let's say it's Monday and it's Monday Night Raw and you have to be there by 2 p.m. And we're getting to the gym at like 1.30. I'm like, Randy, we're going to be late. He's don't worry, man. I'll call, you know, just tell Johnny that we're Johnny Ace. You know, you're with me. And I'm like, ah. Oh. And I'm like, you know, I hate being, I hate being late, man. And he's like, yeah, Johnny, we, you know, Santino and I just got here. We'll be at like three o'clock. He goes, hangs up. He goes, see, it's all good, man. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, for you. I've been here for like a month. I, you know, I, I can't be calling. And, and But anyway, the, the office knew I was a good influence on him and, and uh, I, they let me get away with it. But now, my God, man, now he's like grown up and he's a family man. He's responsible and he's it's really fun to see him in the role he is now you know he's he's still going strong as well i mean he was actually my my pick to win the royal rumble but uh unfortunately he didn't, he didn't uh win it but i actually thought he was in with a shout to win the royal yeah, rumble as I well thought he was gonna win it too i remember conversations with him driving in the car and i like you realize you're like the best in the world right and he's like no nah, come on man <laughs> i'm like i'm serious man you're like you're you're the best at this. You can do shit if you need to, but you're slow and you're efficient and and uh, everything. Your promos are good. Your wrestling is good. His work ethic is good. He's very meticulous about, you know, he doesn't want to get injured. Obviously, he wants to keep working. He, war he warms up for so long and like, you know, his shoulder, he'll work out and warm up for a half an hour each shoulder. Like he really takes his time and he's, and look at the longevity he's had. So, uh, you know, he knew from a, from a young age that uh, take your time, man. There's no rush. And, and he's been there for a long time. And he's still, still like the best in the world, man. Him and AJ Styles, man, they're the best. Um, talking about um, promos, I, I, I've been watching back a load of your clips. And like, to be honest, I, this is not just because you're on the podcast, man. I could watch Santino clips all day long. And it's <laughs> something that I can watch with my nine-year-old son. Um, or I can show them to my missus, or you can watch it with your mates. You know, it's kind of such a broad range of people that just love Santino. Um, and I swear, I was watching a, a promo, and it was when you had just been introduced to Maria, I think, and she was a bit giddy and giggly, and Randy did a little bit after you. And I swear you must have been behind the scenes trying to make him laugh or something, because he was finding it hard to kind of keep a straight face on his half of the interview. Do you remember uh, that? <laughs> it's possible. I used, to <laughs> like, I used to like messing with people, trying to make them laugh off stage. But no, you, you said it right. You know, I hear from people that... Oh, you know, you're, you're my grandmother's favorite wrestler. Um, you're, you're my wife's. A lot of a lot of wrestlers, actually, Mark Yaten, he was uh, one of the production guys for years. I mean, he's there for like probably 30 years. And one day he came up to me and he's like, I, I, I got to thank you for something. He's like, sorry, I got this little thing. Okay. Um, he's like, my wife doesn't watch wrestling. She's, you know, I've been in the business for so long. She's She's bored of it. She's sick of it. He goes, but she caught a clip of you one week and she watches wrestling again. And he goes, you got my wife back into wrestling and now it's something once again that we can share and talk about and laugh about. And he's like, I just want to thank you because wrestling was so big to him. It was his profession. It was his, his life, his love. 
and now his wife got back into it. So I, I do have this crazy wide range of, of uh, you know, it was the I was PG, and I see the action figure there in the back, uh, this aggression. So, yeah. so I caught I caught the fun. That was my first one, I think. Yeah. I caught the tail end of the ruthless aggression era, just 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 the end of it, and then I guess we went into the PG era. But you know, Santino's comedy was often PG, and and it can kids can watch it. And and I've had so many people. I, I love it when they come up to me and they're like, you know, one guy was just reminiscing and telling me a time that he was looking around and he has three kids. And his kids were all laughing on the floor and his wife was laughing and he was laughing and he was just took a mental snapshot of this moment in their lives where they just were all gathered around the TV wrestling and they were all laughing. And it was just a great memory that he has with his kids, you know? And, uh, you know, that meant the world to me because for me to bring that into someone's living room and, and ha help create a family memory for somebody, that's, that's, I can't ask for more than that. That's incredible, man. Like I say, the um, the, um, the 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 hearing my son laughing, giggling to Santina, jiggling in the ring after she won uh, Miss WrestleMania was just is something that just still warms my heart, man. And it's like I say, it's incredible to have you on, dude. Thank you know, thanks again. We can't thank you enough for coming today, man. Um, oh, my pleasure. Santina was. It's funny, although it was it was it was supposed to be one night only. But apparently Vince was just laughing so hard in Gorilla as I was doing that, that it ended up being like, I think Santino was only like three months, but everyone remembers it because it was just so, you know, outrageous. But some of the Santino moments were actually some of my best acting because I had to put on layers. Like, for example, I, I, I act when I, I'm Santino and then I had to act as a woman on top of Santino, and uh, but some of the, the the real emotions, for example, I'll give you an example. You can find it somewhere where Santino says farewell to the uh, to the universe. It's a backstage segment, and I started Santino started crying, and I ended up crying for real, and, and just I got into the, the the scene for that moment, and then when it was cut, I remember was it Josh Matthews? He was like his jaw dropped, and he's like. That was incredible. And it was like an Oscar winning moment. And, and uh, it was just one of those things where, where I, you know, some of my, my best performance, I think, performances. I'm going to come to one of my favorite uh, pieces from you. Uh, drinking tea <laughs> in the middle of a, of a Manchester <laughs> arena. Yeah. Who, um, who Cheers. came up with that idea? And was there any worry that the Manchester crowd would like hate it? Well, you know what? The, the first audience to appreciate Santino was the UK crowd. I remember when it was my first year, I just turned heel and I was starting to be comedic. And there was an article in, it was a, a British newspaper. And, you know, the way you guys had, uh, what was that? Uh, um, wild world of sports or something like that the wrestling you guys used to have oh world of world of sport world of sport yeah yeah and there was a small small venues and you could hear the wrestlers talk and it's very there's a lot of comedy so mm. so the the british audience was uh primed primed to accept 
the character Santino more than the American audience because the acceptance in the United States was dependent upon geography. If I was up in New York, hey, he's Italian, oh, I like this guy. If I was down in the South, you know, this foreigner, we don't like this guy. And, and right. it, it was really interesting how, depending on where it was, there was different reactions. But uh, yeah, the UK audience, um, they got the humor, you know, uh, first. And, and this one was big. This was, I think, the largest segment of time I've ever been given on Monday Night Raw. It was like almost like a 20 minute segment or something like that. I'd never had a 20 minute match on Raw. Uh, and, you know, I sat down with Triple H, with Vince, with Brian Gewertz, and we, we talked it out, walked, you know, uh, talked through it. And it, it was it was a big, it was big. They gave me the ball that night, you know. And was that we, against Val Venus? The Tea Party? Oh no, sorry, the, not the Tea Party. Yes, I was because you did a, another roar in London, didn't you? I think against Val Venus at one point. Oh man, I'm I'm not sure. You know what? This is the thing. So I was on the road for eight eight years straight, and um, for a large portion of that, it was Raw and SmackDown. So, you know eight years straight is like 400 episodes of raw and then let's say another 200 episodes of smackdown so all of a sudden there's 600 episodes and i see stuff weekly but i'm like i do not remember that that's crazy and uh you know i laugh too because some of it's pretty funny <laughs> crazy is there anything you miss from the road uh just the road actually you know um so for the last several years, I, I we had Battle Arts Academy, and uh, it's just it's so much work. It's nonstop, nonstop, go 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 go. That the road, when I look back, was like a vacation. You know, you you fly in and you got two things to do. We got to get a workout in, get something to eat, and go to the building. Done. That was it. Simple. You know, you get your GPS, you find a little something to eat. GPS a gym, and and uh, and then so Friday nights was always like my my best like sleep of the week on the road because let's say you get to the you know you do the show you leave the show by 11 p.m or midnight or whatever maybe you get a bite to eat then you drive anywhere from three to five hours on average so you're going to get there let's say three in the morning four in the morning but you got to be at the venue the next day it was like 5 30 or six o'clock so if even if i sleep in till noon i got six hours to get a workout and a, a bite a bite to eat so, I mean, it was just no stress for me. It was great. You know, I the driving, I, I miss driving, actually. Uh, I enjoyed I enjoyed driving and uh, looking around the scenery all, of, all over the, well, America, because that's where I drove. In Europe, we always had the buses and stuff. I mean, it's a huge place, America, you know, um, going all over the country. It must be, yeah, it must be a yeah, lot there's, of driving. There's so many places, like, I absolutely take it for granted sometimes and I'll be, you know, just having conversation and, and, and people, you know, if I see anybody that's American and go, oh, where are you from? And they'll say something like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been there. And they're like, you, you know, you've been to Salt Lake city, Utah. And yeah, I've been, I've been everywhere. And uh, you can pretty confidently say you've been everywhere. I haven't actually, I haven't been to two States, uh, Wyoming and Montana. That's it. The rest of me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I was going to ask you as well about um, the amount of legends that you've actually worked with, because, you know, it seems like 
and anyone that came that kind of came into the WWF came uh, came back to the WWE. Sorry, um, you know people like um, Chris Jericho. Uh, people like Hacksaw, Jim Dunkin' Donuts, as you called yeah. him, um, you know, Rodney the Piper, you know, all these people, like, you were just absolute gold with anyone that they chucked at you. Um, you know, um, what what legends would you say was was your favourite to work with? I know you've worked with quite a few, yeah. but I mean, who uh, was... I think Roddy Piper was, just because of my childhood, you know, like, my, my brother and I, we loved Roddy Piper, and we heard he lived in Toronto, for, and, you know, we're from Toronto, and... Um, and I think like my dad kind of met him or knew him once or something like that. And so we always had this connection to Roddy Piper and just meeting him. And God, I, I did a segment with him one time on the Jimmy Kimmel talk show and yeah. he, he slapped me and, you know, he kind of said, you know, it's, it's on TV. It's, it's going to be a hard slap. And I was like, oh, that's cool. But we had to do like, Oh my God, eight or nine takes. And I, like, I swear I must've had a handprint in the beginning of the, of the take so but but to me it's like this is roddy piper slap me all day i'm not going to complain no, don't worry this is okay it's great you know as a wrestling fan like you say you're working with people that you've watched growing up you know it must be absolutely incredible and like i say the stuff you did with rodney rotten rodney you see you got me calling him rodney <laughs> the piper i've been i've been calling him that for years and john cena you're the reason why i don't call john cena john cena anymore he is john chayner he will forever be John Chayner. Uh, even yeah. on the podcast a few times, I've, I've, I call him John Chayner. And that's because of Santino. You know, it's just, I think partly it's because as well, I'm Greek Cypriot. So I've got family members kind that of... kind of speak in the broken English and kind of mix up their sayings, like, yeah, you know, yeah. the sum of a gun and the, you know, avalanche and all these kind of stuff that you kind of did, you know, it's a, and it's got a fond place in my heart as well. But yeah, well, John Cena. Well, well, that's the thing. So my, my generation in Canada, we were all first generations. My father is from Italy. My neighbors are from Croatia. My other neighbors from Greece across the street. They're from Portugal, Poland, Italy, Italy, uh, you know, Korea. So all the kids in my high school, gosh, 80% minimum were all first generation Canadians. So all the parents had strong accents. And so son of my gun is from my neighbor, Ivan. Ivan <laughs> is, is Croatian. Ivan goes, son of my gun. And um, I just got to, all these different expressions were just from basically a, co a compilation of my friends' parents from high school, and my friends even call me out. They're like, "You made a living off all our parents." <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, also just very quickly before Jay jumps in, I wanted to ask you about the um, the greatest IC champion of all the times and the honker meter. Was that your idea? Was that how did that come about? That was Branga Words, man. Branga Words was kind of the writer that was assigned to me uh, my first few years before he left. And he just, he just got it, man. He got the character. He, he, could, he could envision what he would write and how I would deliver it, you know? And um, yeah, there was a lot, a lot of that comedy gold in the beginning was, was all working with Brian Gewertz. Fond memories, he's a nice guy, very intelligent. How did it, how did it feel to be, I mean, from, from our side of, you know, watching and, you know, doing our best to find out, you know, what we could when we watched. It seemed like you were trusted with a lot of celebrities as well. Like, you know, you were clotheslined by Snoop Dogg at WrestleMania 24. I was lucky enough to be in attendance at that one. Nice. Um, you were fired by Donald Trump. Um, yeah. 
I don't know how well that would go over nowadays. Um, yeah. Was like how how did it feel like to to know that you were the for for a long time you were the go to guy when it came to celebrities and yeah for for I can't remember how exactly how long they did the the special guest uh, manager yeah I think it was a year and that was the year that I wasn't wrestling that was the year that I was with every single celebrity host at some capacity backstage so it was cool for me I got to meet ton of you know Pee Wee Herman and Bob Barker and all these guys backstage that I just was fans of as, as well but um, yeah I guess they they were confident in that if anything went off the rails like I could bring it back you know that, that that's what you have to establish that you're you're you can take control of a, of a segment and uh, were there any celebrity uh, divas as such not necessarily WWE divas but yeah celebrity divas that didn't really want to play ball oh now, it was pretty cool with me, but I remember like the first time working with Snoop Dogg, we were at a studio in New York and we did this uh, pre-tape leading up to WrestleMania. And, you know, he was just willing to do it over and over and over again. And, you know, he's so busy that I'm sure he didn't look at the script before he got there. So he gets there and he's like, okay, what do you guys want? They, they say it, he bangs one out, they tweak it. They, you know, he does another one. Let's try like this. He does another one. You go, okay, you got it. He's like, let's do another one. You know, let's do another one until, until you're perfectly happy. And I remember thinking, huh, you see, like, it's not just he's willing to do the work, you know, he's willing to get it right. And he's respectful of the fact that they brought him there and, and uh, he wants the performance to be right. He's a, he's a perfectionist. And people that get to his level, they're not just guys that want to, you know, do it and, and let's get out of here. They want to do it right. And that's why people want to work with them and stuff. Yeah, um, most celebrities they're used if you're an actor you do a lot of takes you know different angles different whatever you know the the whole scene the close-ups all that stuff so so a lot of actors are used to uh, a lot of takes so they were pretty happy with us because we're when you're a WWE wrestler you, you become over prepared because some of the stuff might be rewritten and all of a sudden two hours for the show starts you get your promo and it's a page long you have to memorize it or or uh you know you try and do it and there's one mistake cut you do it again cut something happens and now all of a sudden you realize we're out of time we got to go live and then it's a live backstage segment and that's when the pressure's on and, and so anyway when when somebody from professional wrestling or wwe goes to a a, a movie scenario a movie set they're overprepared. You know, they get your note, your, your, your lines like months in advance sometimes. And every day they give you your sides, you know, everything it's, yeah, it's movies are easy after uh, being a professional wrestler. That's crazy. I mean, there's been a few transitioned and uh, I, I still remember you talking about the condemned that will forever be something that um, will stick in my mind. Yeah, the worst part is it's actually a very good movie. <laughs> but I, I had to, you know, follow this follow the script. It, it was it, it was quality, those, those segments, you know. And for me, it is the little things that you did that, that that make the difference. You know, like when you did the Stone Cold bit and you were on the screen, but you were in the middle of the ring and you were obviously talking to uh, Stone Cold. Uh -huh. um, it was just the way you drunk the beer at the end and just did the face and kind of like didn't sell it it's you know it was incredible absolutely incredible <laughs> stuff man um also tag teams 
um, you've been put with so many, you know, people. And, and I think that maybe some of the teams that you're in, given a little bit more time together, would have been fantastic. I mean, um, one of my favourites that you got teamed with was Zack Ryder. Yeah, um, Cobro, Team Cobro. Oh, bro. I mean, dude, that, they were incredible. I mean, you, as you can see, I love my figures, man. Um, yeah. You know, so, but I mean, th that team, I think, was was incredible. I think that you worked well together. Um, do you think given a bit more time and, and that you might have been able to do a bit more? I know you did quite yeah. well. Tag team I, definitely, I definitely think uh, it had some legs if they got behind it. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we had some matches and we were pretty victorious on, you know, kind of, you know, sometimes main event or whatever. Um, we enjoyed it. And we were kind of like, wait, oh, this, this could be fun, man. Because there's definitely a shortage of tag teams. There's always kind of been a shortage of tag teams. And if you're backstage and you're a guy who's kind of in, you know, in the middle of the card somewhere, get a tag team partner, man. Make a tag team. There's a lot of work out there. If you're a, a significant tag team, you'll be on the road every week doing live events because, they need a tag team match, right? For both yeah. brands, you know. That was that was really one of my favorites. I mean, you you worked with um, Tamina for a little bit as well. You had a couple of matches with her. I mean, Carly Kozlov. I think um, you know, you and Kozlov together were great. And we were talking about the T segment, but I think as a tag team, I think that also had legs to go for a bit longer too. Yeah, it was the perfect, um, you know, the big mouth guy and the and the straight guy, you know. <laughs> but the straight guy in reality is super funny. Kozlov is very funny, kind of without trying to be, but but he's, he's just, you know, that was some of my best times being on the road with Kozlov, just because his personality backstage is just so easy to get along with, you know. He's, he's like, a, he's a gentle giant. What, what were your memories of the, uh, the Elimination Chamber? that you were in, um, that you came perilously close to winning. Um, that that crowd was insane that night. And uh, did it give you uh, any sort of hopes that you might push up, you know, further up the card? Well, it was funny because I, I got put in that match because Randy got hurt and they needed a backup. And I was, you know, doing pretty good at the time. So they, they we had like a Royal Rumble on one of the, on Raw or SmackDown, uh, not a, a Battle Royal, sorry. And the winner was in that. So that was fun because I got to win the, the uh, Battle Royal on, on uh, I think it was SmackDown, to go into the Elimination Chamber. And we talked earlier about programming the audience, you know. So at that point, when I put the green sleeve on, nobody has kicked out on TV, ever. And Daniel Bryan in that match was the first and only person to ever kick out of the Cobra with the green sleeve on. It's crazy. So, so the audience was so conditioned. When I hit him with it, it was a foregone conclusion. He's good. That's it. He just won because nobody kicks out. So I think that's why the reaction was so incredible when it was like, you know, the count and everything. And, and then when he had his uh, the label lock on and I was, you know, I was going to fight up, fight up, fight up. And I was just going to give up, which, which is what ended up happening. But as I started going like this and pulling his arm down and fighting up, people went like ballistic, like, no, no, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. And uh, even Mike Kyoto, the referee was in the gorilla position. He was watching Vince and he goes, I swear Vince was going to change the finish at, on the fly. Cause he was just loving it so much. But oh, this is good shit. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, and then when I went back down and he kind of put it on a little more, 
that was before my neck surgery. So it was actually hitting my nerves. So I had to actually tap, but I, I wanted to do it one more time to go up again, go up again, go up again. One, cause we, we would have got the audience higher. And two, I wanted to buy some time just in case Vince was going to change his mind. <laughs> but when we came back down, it was, it was right on the neck and on the nerve and, and that was excruciating. I had to tap. I mean, we, we were, as we were watching it, you know, it's one of those things as well, along with the, the Royal Rumble, was it uh, 2011 Royal Rumble? Um, I was sure you were going to win that, dude. You know, it was, it was one of those things. And to be honest, I think me and Jordan both wish you would have won. I think so many people, when, when you started with the trumpets and, you know, the emotion on your face, man. And this is why I think we love Santino, because it wasn't just the ha-ha. You know, there was that, there was levels to the character, you know, and when you won the titles, you know, you could see on the face, you know, people would sometimes mock it like the king would be, you know, saying one thing and then, oh, look, he's crying. But it's like, that was the character, you know, it was like, it was the real. Pride in I, I was really, again, same thing. That was, a, that was the second time that I cried uh, acting and I ended up really crying. And because people don't, okay, the Olympics are coming up every gold medal performance is tears. Mm -hmm. It's coaches, it's athletes, it's crying, and people don't put over victories. And if I'm an average guy, and now Santino was the average guy, and he has this moment where he wins a title, this has to be the most incredible experience in his life. And if you're not in tears, like, okay, so let's say that match, I won the US title. And if I just raised my hand in the middle of the ring, it would have been nowhere near as significant to the audience as as after I, I cried, you know? Mm. And uh, I, I wish that's one thing I would, you know, critique of today's wrestling. You got to make every victory. Look at the UFC, man. Guys are, are exhausted, five round brawls. If you knock someone out, you find the energy to celebrate. You know, mm. the celebrations have to be there. Every victory should be celebrated huge and if it's a title win everyone should be crying man it's it's true i mean and that's why I kind of i think we we love uh bobby the brain heenan because yeah, he's too. another one of these guys like yourself that you know he, he used to say you know to make it believable you've got to believe it yourself yeah you know yeah. And, and and you've really got to live it and that's why we love bobby the brain and that's why we love you because you know you really you were santino it's not like i was you, you're right. I was. And if you look at some of the promos today, you can see in their eyes, man, that's not, that's just, different. it's not, it's not, it's not, they're not bringing it to life the way it should. And for me, when I see someone who brings it to life, like really brings it to life, I appreciate it so much more. Someone like Kevin Owens, man, look at his face. That's it's real. He's really that guy at that moment, you know? Mm. And then there's other guys that I'm like, uh. so for example, Seth Rollins, when he became the Messiah was the first time his eyes matched the, the words and, and with what he was saying before it was like, yeah, you're saying one thing, but your eyes aren't up to speed with it. I don't know they're not synced with what you're saying. And when he became the Messiah, I go, he found it. He finally found it. Now that what he's saying is real. And that's really, and Roman Reigns, same thing. Roman Reigns, promos were never, as good as they are now because now they're real now you look at him and he's really that guy at that moment so i'm glad they found it but if you i'm big on the eyes man the eyes the eyes don't lie 
It's true. The eyes don't lie, Chico. They never lie. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, Jay, have you got any questions well, coming up? We we know that time is of the essence. So, um, what's next for Anthony? Is um, have the uh, have the company down in Jacksonville called yet? <laughs> no, I um, I'm I'm not going to wrestle at all anymore. I am a commentator now. Yeah. So I do commentating for some India uh, Destiny Wrestling here in Canada. I do commentating. I was doing commentary for uh, my Battle Arts Pro, our own promotion. Um, I do commentary on a part-time basis for the International Judo Federation. So I, I and and I and I worked on it. So so for example, when I retired, I worked for a show in Canada called uh, called Aftermath on Sportsnet, and it was the first time I was on TV. Just being Anthony and trying to come up with some form of, you know, how am I going to be just as myself? I was really never on TV as, as anybody else but Santino. So over the years, I kind of honed in the character and, and how to talk and how to be exciting. And, and it's all at the right time. So once COVID's done, I'm going to actually just before COVID, whatever started, I, I was at the performance center and I was doing some, some commentary and I talked to Michael Cole and they were pretty excited about it. And everything was just put on hold. And we'll see what happens in 2021, but uh, maybe next year. I'm just going to chill this year. I was working way too much for way too long, like seven days a week. I was making my own appearances. I was coaching wrestling, coaching judo, running the business, um, going to tournaments, going to do commentary for judo, uh, doing the TV show. I was doing this uh, uh show on twitch for a while it was just way too much it was way too much and then covid came and you know we realized that pretty happy not doing as much and now we just moved to the country and we're just enjoying ourselves uh you know my son's two and uh we have a little one on the way my wife's four, four months pregnant and Amazing. my daughter is 25 and she's she's wrestling and as soon as COVID's over, hopefully she'll go down to the performance center and uh, finish her training down there. She's she's doing she's doing really well. Getting uh, her what was her name? Is it so Sophia? Is it? Uh, that's her middle name. Yeah, Bianca Sophia. Bianca Sophia. That's it. I remember hearing it somewhere. So she's doing yeah, okay. She, she's yeah. She's like she's a television personality. Regardless if it's not with WWE, she does multiple shows in Canada, online stuff. Um, She's a sponsored athlete. She's she gets wrestling. She gets the psychology. You know, I made sure she was taught properly, and um, yeah, it's just a matter of timing and spaces. And when she goes down there, um, she'll do well. She's very good. She's like excellent. And she's been around the business her whole life. In fact, when I was at OBW, how old was she? She was she would have been eleven. Was she eleven? Uh, eleven. Yeah, she did a promo. In, on the, in the ring during promo, it was like promo class was every once in a while. And um, yeah, she got in the ring and did a promo in front of the whole, uh, you know, developmental class. And she got a standing ovation at the end. She was, she's a natural. It's crazy, man. That takes balls to do that, man. <laughs> Just for a, a grown up, let alone a, a kid, man. That's crazy. Yeah, she was, she even flew to Japan by herself when she was nine just, you know, <laughs> to come come see me and stuff. Yeah, so I wanted to involve her in every step of the way to show her what it takes, you know, it takes sacrifice, it takes traveling and, and seeking out your path and it takes tons of hard work and oh, 
sorry, I'm just taking off my sock because my I was just uh, walking in my snow boots outside. My feet are burning up because I had two pairs of socks. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I want I wanted her to see exactly you know what it takes, all the training and, and discipline and dedication. So she's been on the road with me. Uh, God, when she was like 13, she, you know, there's pictures of her with Eve Torres and Maurice dressing her up in makeup when she was 13 and stuff backstage. So she's, she's been around the business her whole life. Um, just one last question from me. Yeah. Man. So how is the neck? Are we, are we going to ever, I know they say never say never, but every Raw Rumble I watch, I still just want to hear that music hit and I want to see that walk. I mean, is it ever going to happen? Well, when they called me last year, I, I didn't realize it was going to be at Santina. So I was uh, <laughs> I was excited when they called us. I wanted to be Santino. And then I found out, I'm like, ah, oh, man, Santina. But uh, no, the next okay for day-to-day -day life, you know. Um, I could probably have, a, I, you know, I might have five or six matches a year. If, if, if a particular destination calls me, like let's say it's guys like last, I wrestled in Scotland a couple of years ago. I, said, I wanted to go to Scotland. I enjoy Scotland, you know, and hmm. you know, they call me to do a seminar in Paris. Yeah, I'm going to go to Paris, you know. Um, but that's about it. I, I, once every two months, I'll do maybe a match here and there. But to do a, a wrestling schedule, I don't think it would be, uh, I don't think it's well enough to do that. Hmm. Plus, I just don't want to be on the road that much anymore. But wherever I go after COVID, you know, I want to be like, well, if, for example, let's say it's AEW. I want to do commentary once a week and come right home. I'll get there Wednesday morning, do the show Wednesday night, and I'll be home Thursday morning. If it's main event, I'll fly out Sunday night, do the show Monday, and Tuesday morning I'm home. Or if it's Impact, because I'm really good friends with Scott Demore, uh, their schedule's a bit different, you know. It's four or five days per month, bang out the TVs, and... Uh, back home you know i want to spend a lot of time home a lot it's good man you've done your time you do you really have you know you you hit the road you've been on our screens and uh for that i think you you're in our hearts forever to be honest you know it's um and we want to thank you just from us for for doing what you've done and putting in the work man oh thanks it's one of those things where you know it's so much fun doing <laughs> i can't take credit like you know people are thankful that you gave them some good memories and stuff, but it's like, thank you. But I had a blast doing it too. So, you know, it's good. It's hard to take thanks for it when you had such a good time yourself, you know, that's yes. what I mean. <laughs> um, no, that's, uh, that's absolutely like that's perfect. That's a wonderful way for us to say thank you for, you know, staying with us for pretty much an hour of your, of your personal time. Um, for those that know him as Santino, he's you know he's the he's one of the best comedic sort of characters that WWE's seen for a very long time. You know we've been super grateful that we've had Anthony here with us today to tell us all about it, and I can't you know I can't say thank you enough. You know we're really grateful that you've been here for a, for us today. And uh, my pleasure, boys. My pleasure. Thanks, man. So uh, yeah, that's it from uh, myself, Chris Dredd, from JB. And from Anthony Corelli, also known as the incredible Santino Morella. Thanks again, man. Okay, thank you, boys. Have a good night. Cheers, and you. Thank you. And there you have it, people. Mr. Anthony Corelli, also known as Santino Morella. That was great, JV. What do you reckon, man?
uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun just then. It's uh, really, really grateful that you could spend some time with us today and have a have a chat. And you know, we I mean, you can probably see it on our face if you watch on YouTube. You see how happy we are that we've had uh, Anthony on. And it wasn't we weren't just blowing smoke. Yeah. with him you know we are huge fans of Santino Morella you know it's um and it's in, it's incredible for someone who is as, as well known as him just to, to come on give us an hour of his time two jabronis um you know and he's come on he's give us a an hour of his time and we we really are thankful for that we enjoyed it massively and I hope everybody you know we really hope you've enjoyed it as well um if we can't we cannot leave without saying look this is what we can can bring to everyone hit that like button hit that subscribe button you know if you want to see more of us do like, more of us doing stuff like this do it hit that button okay. smack the bell do what you smack got the to. bell tell your friends t tell your mama tell your daddy you know right. tell limo rickshaw you know <laughs> tell them all tell everybody we're you know, we're we're really grateful that you've stick you've stuck around to listen to this or watch this as well. And uh, for me, and the PIC Chris, I don't know what side he's on, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you very much, and we will see you next time. Cheers, guys.